Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, this is Mark Lee Morrison from the podcast Low Profile. I live in Olympia, Washington with my wife and two daughters, and I support Vishkana's creative control on Patreon because I appreciate his journalistic integrity. Vish talks with a lot of artists I care about, and he never asks any boring questions. I love hearing his interviews, and as a Patreon supporter, I get to hear even more of them. If you enjoy creative control too, I implore you to join me as a sustaining contributor. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Janet Weiss and Sam Coombs are each talented musicians, songwriters, and singers who are both based in Portland, Oregon. For 30 years, the pair, who were once a couple, have played together in a wonderful and explosive band called Quasi, which tends to work a lot and then take long breaks, and then it works a lot again when the timing feels right. And also, when Weiss and Coombs have been able to excuse themselves from other solo and collaborative projects, which, over the years, have included Slater Kinney, Heat Miser, Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks, and John Spencer and the Hitmakers, among many others. On February 10th, 2023, Sub Pop Records released Breaking the Balls of History, which is the 10th quasi-album and their first new record in 10 years. Ahead of some extensive touring, Janet and Sam made time for a talk with me, in which we discussed such matters as uh, their recent stints, backing up and supporting John Spencer on tour, the terrible car accident that Janet was in in 2019, and her long road to recovery, how that experience inspired her to drum with as much joy and kick-assery as she could possibly muster, Sam's intuitive, almost detached relationship with the meanings behind the excellent lyrics he wrote for Breaking the Balls of History, whether or not Janet had any doubts 
about leaving Slater Kinney, why we may want to be more sensitive and cognizant about the hard toll being a working musician can have on a person, how people are good and people are bad and reality can upset some of them, upcoming tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this podcast. Thanks again for supporting the show on our Patreon. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planted Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. All fine local businesses. If you have similar-sounding local businesses in your neck of the woods, go get a pizza or a donut or a book or a coffee. I think that's all of them in your town there. Well, don't listen to me. I don't want to order you around. This is just the intro of the show. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, thanks to all those people. And uh, this is episode 756 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Janet Weiss and Sam Coombs of Quasi with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Janet. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Uh, It's going really well. I I must say, I don't want to gush. It's very nice to have you back on the show and to see you. Uh, you're very beloved for, you know, as a drummer, as someone who likes music, I really appreciate uh, that you're here. Thank you for being back on the show. I gushed a little. I'll, I'll gush similarly to Sam. Don't worry. Don't worry, Sam. I'll gush to you too. But Janet, it means a lot. <laughs> it means a lot. Uh, where in the world are you today? We're both in Portland. We're home getting ready to leave for tour in a few days. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate you making time for me. Sam, I understand you're in Portland. How the hell are you? I'm pretty good. That's good. You just got back from a, a bit of road work, I heard? That's true. I just got back. Uh, I, have, I have another band with John Spencer, John Spencer and the Hitmakers. And uh, we've been touring a lot. And this was kind of the last bit of touring we were able to do before Quasi heads out on the road. So, yeah, uh, given that, I actually feel pretty fresh. <laughs> well, I want to tell you a couple of things, Sam. I'm a huge fan of yours too, uh, and your work. And I will tell you, John Spencer was on this show to talk about that Hitmakers record when it was uh, just about to come out there. And uh, I was very excited. I was following all your adventures on Instagram and whatnot. It seemed fun. Has it been fun playing with John Spencer and the Hitmakers? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually, I will say, I picked up on some lyrical connections. Uh, between the Hitmakers record, what John was uh, writing about, and maybe some of what you've written about on on this record. I hear spacemen and these billionaires doing weird bullshit things. Uh, is there any <laughs> any connection? Do you guys uh, talk about lyrics and stuff like that, you and John, or is it just a coincidence because you're similar people? Well, we definitely do not talk about lyrics, but we do talk about things that are happening in 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 the world. So maybe maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I didn't think you two would be the types of dudes who'd sit around talking about your lyrics to each other, but I, 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 I like that. I like thinking about that. Just <laughs> hanging out, talking about lyrics. <laughs> that just doesn't seem like something that would probably happen. No, I guess not. I, as you may guess, I learn, I think bandmates learn about each other when they do interviews. 
because the, the interviewer will yeah. ask them questions they would never think to be like, let's have a thoughtful, sincere conversation about what we do. They just sort of do it. Janet, has that been your experience in bands or do you have these like focused? No, I think, yeah. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. You not only learn about your bandmates and how they feel about the record or the music or the tour you're, you're currently working on, but you, you learn about it yourself too, like how you feel about it. There's like some revealing moments that are, you know, that kind of make it worthwhile actually, where you have to put things into words. You know, we're, I personally just pound on stuff, you know, and like, (laughs) I'm just, it's more emotional. Yeah. You know, like what I'm doing. So to actually talk about the record, like what it means to me or what, how I see it, not just this record, but all records really helps kind of define, you know, mm-hmm. how I think about it. Yeah. And I, I hope these kinds of forums give you that insight from your bandmates. Like I say, you're potentially yeah. uh, traveling for hours and hours and never maybe have these conversations. I'm getting ahead of myself and tooting my own horn. I hope this interview goes well. And we learn things about each other. Not to be outdone there, Janet, you also have played in the Hitmakers at various times. Is that true? Just I just did one one U.S. tour. Just the one. So just one. Okay. Yeah, just the one. Okay. Yeah, and we we did double duty, and it was quite strenuous and difficult. Was it physically? <laughs> physically, it was a lot. You know? duty, meaning quasi open the shows, and then John headlined. But uh, both Janet and I were playing in both bands, of course. Right, of course. That's what you meant. Okay. I, I, I yeah, yeah, I picked up on that. I wanted to express to you, Janet, how um, troubled I, I did not. Sorry. Let me, let me start again for those listening. Janet, you were involved in a really terrible car accident in 2019. Is that correct? That's true. Yes. I broke both my legs and my collarbone. Yeah. I was really disturbed to read this. And I'll be frank with you. If the news had come out at the time, Time has been such a blur. I was reading it, sorry, just to for context. I got the album bio. I was like, holy shit, did I forget this happened? It sounded horrible. <laughs> uh, and you're a drummer, so your collarbone, your legs, like you, what was that? Yeah. I know I can get, imagine what it was like for you. Can you expand upon it? How terrifying was it for you as someone whose vocational pursuits were impacted, let alone the fact that you were in a traumatic accident? Can you talk a little bit? Of- yeah, I mean, it- it was almost comical, you know? I mean, I laughed in the emergency room when they told me. I knew kind of, I could kind of sense which things were hurt pretty badly. But when they told me, I just kind of laughed like, oh, what kind of a drummer has two broken legs and a broken collarbone? Yeah. But yeah, it was very uh challenging to sort of deal with a long recovery and kind of keep focused and keep working towards getting better and not to get too down, you know, that like it just recovery is a lot slower than you want it to be. You want it to be quick and the doctors kind of make it sound like, yeah, a couple of months, you're going to be great. And it's like, it took a couple of years really, mm. but yeah, it was really scary. Uh, I had a ton of support from my loved ones and the fans like really came through in a major way. And that, that sincerely helped a lot because yeah. I I couldn't walk. I had to be in a wheelchair for like three months and I couldn't walk. I couldn't put weight on, you know, things. And that was the hardest part. And I think that, I think that sedentary few months really did more damage to my body than the actual accident. So there's a lot of like rebuilding your muscles and, you know, kind of just sticking to a plan 
I started playing as soon as I could. And that really helped me mentally and physically. Um, Sam and I would play every day and sort of that really helped me, you know, keep my spirits up and, and get back to what I, I didn't care about a lot of things, but I do, I do care about playing the drums yeah. and, and walking, you know, those are the two things that I was, I don't need to run a marathon, but those two things I really wanted to get back to. I want to go to Sam uh, in a moment, uh, just to get, um, his perspective on this whole ordeal. But, uh, you, I think you alluded to this in terms of what was taken away from you. Did the experience give you any particular perspective on what it means to be able-bodied? I think some of us take this for granted. We, our friends or whoever or ourselves, we wind up in these accidents and it's, it seems insane that you can't do the things yeah. you normally do. Did you have those thoughts and feelings? I think mostly, I mean, when I was in the wheelchair, definitely shed a lot of light on people who live, uh, who get around that way, you know, and how difficult it is for them. Um, just the most basic things like that was pretty eye opening. Yeah. And just like you're lower, you're lower than everyone and people don't even look at you. Yeah. They just look right past you and kids like, you know, point at you and, you know, wow. kids just, yeah. they, you know, they just think you're a freak. <laughs> Some kids, but mostly I think it was the realization of like, live in the moment, you know, be grateful for what you have and really appreciate the people who come through for you. Cause that's just huge. I, I really felt for people who don't have a support system mm. that just, I can't even imagine going through that without the kind of support that I had, but mostly I stopped planning things way off in the future. I just stopped with that. Like that's, that's not how I'm going to live now. Now that I see that like at any moment it could go away and uh, life could just stop. Hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to stay more present and uh, in the moment. Yeah. Th- I, I appreciate that. It would, uh, I don't know, uh, inform you having a more urgent outlook uh, or like a more immediate outlook, I guess, just like the things in front of you are all you can really manage. Um, anyway. And I drive, I drive a lot slower now. Not that, that I drove fast before, but like, just go the speed limit. I, I don't. Like if, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to pry, but I what I read was a car crashed into your car. Did you? Yeah, it was like some someone who was going really, really fast. Oh. Like if the person had been going the speed limit, then it w- this wouldn't have yeah. happened. So, so it's just like a, a lot of reminders, but mostly don't take for granted yeah. what you know your health and your ability. You know, for me, it's like the ability to play music was just something that I realize I would be very, very, very upset if I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Well, again, we're so happy you're feeling better and playing and all that, those sorts of things. Sam, can you, and I, Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just want to say that I, I just want to say, I hope that comes through on the record, you know, like yeah. that's something that I want, I wanted to convey on the record, just like this joy of playing and to really push myself to be like explosive and all the things that I love about drumming i wanted all those things to be present in on the record yeah i i I hope we get into that with more detail as we go and talk about the record specifically i will say i thought of you recently because i was involved in a recording project and it was uh as you may imagine these days you can do all sorts of things and i was playing by myself and i was improvising parts by myself and i thought of you i thought of the way (laughs) you play the toms in particular and how you incorporate I've, i've often thought of you in, in bands I'm in and how can I make this more fun for me and interesting 
as a, you know, for me, it's like keeping a beat, but also like, what else can my hands be doing as I'm trying to keep the foundation going? I don't mean to distill what you do (laughs) in that regard, but I think of that, like, how can I have fun and come up with something cool, but while also being the foundation? Does that resonate with you? I mean, that's my whole, that's it. That's basically just, that's just it. You know, I don't need to, (laughs) you got it. Yeah, you you totally got it. (laughs) So yeah, I do think of you often when I'm trying to come up with parts and make them interesting in the event that I get to play with people. Sam, I didn't mean to neglect you here. Can you talk a little bit about your reaction to the news of Janet's accident? And within that, uh, it sounds like you guys playing together was a hugely important thing for her to keep her spirits up. Can we first talk about your reaction to the news? Well, of, of course, it's it's horrifying, but uh, I didn't, you know, I knew that she was alive and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't there for the accident. I only heard after she had already been to the hospital. And, mm. you know, I, there was an uncertainty, of course, when there's a, a serious accident. But what can you do, really? Uh, you just try and stay positive. And, um, yeah, we did use band practice as a as a form of physical therapy, but it was also helpful for me to play every day. Not that I needed physical therapy, but it did improve my playing and it it opened up my head to compositional ideas. So I think, you know, in the end, especially given the time frame that it happened in with with, with lockdowns and political turmoil and uncertainty all around us, in a way, that whole process provided a path forward through all the insanity and you know i hate to say this but i don't think it turned out to be such a terrible thing for the band mm. just so- i mean i'm sorry and it had to suffer all that pain and trouble but in the end we come out of the tunnel a little stronger for it i think i mean you're That's literally sure. talking about seeing the bright side uh, at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> it, not the light at the end of the tunnel. That's getting morbid, but uh, <laughs> actually seeing the positive aspects. I appreciate that. Sam, for people uh, and myself included, I mean, I was trying to jog my memory. I feel like the last time I maybe saw Quasi, unless there was a Toronto show and that's where I'm blurry, was likely the Touch and Go Festival in Chicago in like 2006 or something like that. The band's trajectory in terms of it being an active and going concern and it being a bit dormant is, I hope I'm not using the wrong word, but being dormant, I'm going to say it again. I don't even care. I'm doubling down, uh, is a bit interesting. What was the status of Quasi before you started jamming in that, what you describe as sort of physical therapy for uh, Janet? Was Quasi a going concern at that point? Yeah, we uh, actually had, well... It was in more in theory than in practice. We wanted to get back to work. There was a lot of other things happening in Janet's life at that time. But, you know, we, we had the idea of getting back to work. And we even started scheduling tours, which all had to be canceled for you know, a number of reasons. And maybe I'm getting my maybe that's a little bit later than that. But hmm. there always had been a cycle. We always have worked with other bands besides quasi and for a while i was doing solo stuff and quasi happens when it wants to happen really circumstances sort of it's like a mushroom it just like when the conditions are right it just grows up and uh you know hopefully it's a nice delicious 
morel or something. (laughs) I appreciate the food analogy. I'm also a little hungry. Thank you, Sam. That makes sense. (laughs) Janet, uh, is what Sam's saying, does that check out for you chronologically and even, I guess, tonally? Like the breaks are not... Yeah, I mean, I I think quasi always exists for us. It's not something that we, you know, shut down. Like it's, it's always there. It's like... You know, I feel like it's a, a very important part of my life. It's not something I would want to like step away from permanently. So I feel like, you know, Sam and I are good friends and we're in touch and, but we're also, we do other things. So yeah, it's just some organizing of time. And, you know, when there's new songs, we work on new songs and yeah. it's very organic. It's not, we don't have a manager like mapping out our schedule. Um, you know, we just kind of talk to each other and figure out uh, when it's good to play. So yeah. quasi is like the mycelium that's always there, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it only erupts into a fruiting body or mushroom, you know, when conditions are right, you know, the mushroom being a tour or an album or whatever. But we, we typically will play shows when opportunities come up and, and we're available because it's, it, we'd still enjoy it. We like to get together and practice and, and get back up to, you know, top speed and whether we're doing a tour or just a single show, it's always, you know, we're always ready pretty much. Yeah. Uh, my sense of things and based on what Janet just said in terms of how songs emerge is that this is a particularly collaborative endeavor for you two Sam, can you give us some more insight uh, about what Janet was saying about when a song emerges? Is it jamming? Is it you getting together in a room and that's where the songs emerge? Or do either of you come in with like, hey, I got something. I want to see if we can explore it together. Sam, can you expand upon that? Yeah, it's the latter, really, usually. Yeah. And usually I have an idea, some lyrics, some chords, you know, a basic structure. And then I bring it in and we just start hammering away at it together. Janet, do you ever come in with like, man, I got this thing in my, I got this pattern. Can we, do you, do you ever come in that way? Well, I think for this record, because I can't remember why I did it, but I sent Sam just some beats that I had recorded, which we, well, I don't think we had done that before. And then he could kind of write stuff around them. And they were like kind of patterny, you know, or repetitive kind of things. Yeah. And so that that was really cool. I enjoyed doing that. And I think a couple of those got used. But usually Sam writes the song, you know, the the basic song, brings it in. And then we, I listen to it and I get ideas. And then we just, some things come really fast and some songs take a bit longer. And then we work on the arrangements a little bit and I write the harmonies. And yeah. so, yeah, if I had a drum beat, uh, yeah, we could we could jam on it. I mean, we improvise a a lot at the live show. And I think after a tour, we probably, you know, we may come up with some cool interludes or like things that we want to take further. But usually Sam writes the song and then I write my parts to the song. You said usually this happens. This was different. I assume you might have had patterns and were feeling inspired by your circumstances of having one of the things you love the most maybe being taken away from you, uh, drumming. Uh, and maybe I know that that can be a thing. You're like, fuck, I need to do this. I have so many, now you've got so many ideas because you you realize that it could have been lost forever. 
Do you have a sense of why you did something different and sent patterns and drum beats ahead of time? It would that was before the accident that oh, I sent okay. that I okay. sent. <laughs> I couldn't have I couldn't have probably played those. I mean, it took a while for me to be able to play. Luckily, oh, yeah, I, I sent them. Luckily, I sent them before because they <laughs> they sounded better than if I had sent them after. But yeah, I don't think I came out of I came out of like the three months of inactivity feeling like I've just got a ton of ideas now. Like I was, I was pretty traumatized and like, you know, just trying to keep my head up, you know, like I'm going to be able to do this eventually. And it's just, you know, for people who've been in like an accident or had something really bad happen to them, like it just takes a lot of time and like, yeah, you don't just pop back out of it like, hey, I feel really good now and I'm going to, you know, mentally I feel, let's just play all this stuff. Like it wasn't really like that. So that's I why the, da- the daily practice was like, you know, it's less pressure that way. So mm-hmm. that was like the really important thing was to like make it less pressure on myself, you know, because like mm-hmm. I'm. I was like hard on myself, you know, like, ah, oh, you don't sound right. You know, like your, your legs not working properly. So just like trying to stay away from those kinds of negative thoughts and uh, stay positive about like, it's all good and it's all fine. And just hmm. give it, give it a lot of time. My partner is a gymnastics coach. He's a musician too, but he's oh. a gymnastics coach. So it was like incredibly helpful having someone who's used to, dealing with injuries and used to dealing with like recovery and like the process it takes to recover. It just helped me immeasurably to have someone say like, yeah, it really hurts now, but it's, you're going to feel better. Like I promise you're going to feel better. Like someone who actually knows, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know. No, I I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate people talking about the significance of rehab and the arduousness of rehab. I don't know. This is not a medical podcast, but I do, <laughs> I do think these are important things to share the, these experiences because it sounded like hell. Uh, yeah, musicians it, musicians don't have it very easy, you know. No, we just no. like if it's not one thing, you're there's a lot of other, you know tinnitus and just the stress and strain of being on tour and carrying all your gear and just being away from home and you know there's people who have alcoholism problems you know there's out there's like alcohol everywhere on tour and i just think musicians we don't have a safety net so there's like a lot of things you know that require this kind of like idea of recovery it's it's very it's very you know it's prevalent in our in our world you know as you're speaking and i think of how many times topics like these have come up on this podcast and my show Maybe this is a medical podcast. I mean, I think talking to musicians is a, a an entry point into a, a hard world. And, uh, you know, so many people focus on the joy and the excitement of music, but not the what brought it to us. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so all this to say, I appreciate your insights on it. I, and I, if you want to talk about it more, I'm happy to. <laughs> um, no, no, yeah, no. Okay. okay. Sam, uh, you mentioned you had some lyrics kicking around and as i ponder this amazing record i pick up on a lot of universal kind of ideas and themes like things that i think are looking out into the world and maybe um addressing some concerns you might have about it from a personal point of view but um before we and you can dispute what i just said of course 
before we get into that, did Janet's ordeal and uh, did, did that influence any of the songwriting on this uh, batch of songs? Probably. I think everything that goes on around the process probably has some impact on it. But I'm really, I'm kind of in the dark about how it all happens, actually. I, I don't really understand the process at all. The longer I do it, the, the less I understand. Hmm. It just, you know, the ideas pop into the head and then you kind of sculpt them a little bit and turn it into lyrics. But I don't really know where the initial ideas come from exactly. Hmm. Do you uh, agree with my master's thesis about this new quasi-album that uh, that you are uh, kind of dealing with this, maybe this time period and the socio-political sensation of living in this time, this world right now? Yes, that's, I mean, it was an extraordinary time when we were creating the, the record. It, really hard to not, you know, some, I, I think in the, in the past and some of the quasi records are more in, inward focused from my part. This one, not really, definitely looking more in the, in the world around. And I think it's just, you know, Maybe it was Janet's circumstances had something to do with it, but there was just so much chaos and, and strangeness happening yeah. that definitely pulled my attention. In an overarching sense, for people who haven't yet dug into this record, uh, and I know it's a case-by-case basis, every song is different, but in an overarching sense, can you, I know you said, I don't know how this process works, <laughs> so I will, <laughs> I will allow that, but in an overarching sense, do you have a sense of, beyond what we were just talking about, like what your perspective is on the world via these songs. Can you speak to that? No, not really. No. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I mean, I really am in the dark. It's an intuitive process. Mm. And as I've gotten older, I've really, I think the, the thing that has been most helpful is to really surrender to the intuitive process and not really, you know, just to get out of the way for the most part and let, let the songs happen. Mm, okay. So that's my understanding of how to do that as an artist has increased, but that's sort of parallel or, or in reverse actually to my understanding of what the, uh, you know, how the songs actually congeal and, and form themselves into something, some tangible. I think you just to understand that, like, the record comes together over a long, kind of a long period of time, like maybe a year, you know? So it's like, when you look back on it, it seems concise, you know, like, Oh, I can see the themes emerge. And like, usually when I'm working on the sequence, I can, I, you know, I need to understand what's being said. So like, I, I really think about it and what the themes are, but when you're making it, it's not like, unless you're working on like a, you know, a rock opera or like a, a story album albums sort of reveal themselves to you later, not even always when you're recording them. Yeah. Like sometimes you're recording them and you're still just recording songs. And then when you listen to the songs as a body of work, then you're like, Oh, there are themes here, you know, that you can kind of sense, but you don't, you know, it's not like you, you need some like, perspective on it like to step back and really look at it as a whole usually i found with you know i played on many records and that's usually the case that like the the record reveals itself to you after the fact 
after the fact of recording. The initial part for me, always just totally intuitive. And then after you have kind of some stuff sitting there that's been, you know, manifested in some, some form or other, then you can kind of turn to your conscious mind and, and your intellectual processes and see things happening. And sometimes when you have a bo- uh, several songs, you might see how, how they relate to each other and, and you might change a single line or even a single word of lyric in one song or another, and suddenly it brings it together. But the, the, there probably is continuity there, intuitive continuity from the beginning. But if you, you, can, you can bring these out and make little, little changes to, to put it together. So, and that's not just lyrics, it's music too. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. we want to use this same approach on this song so that they kind of balance and contrast each other that you don't you don't realize until you have a, a little bit of a body of work in front of you. I appreciate that, Sam. I appreciate your perspective on it. When you say your conscious mind, your dynamic in this band is interesting to me. And Janet, I don't want to burden you. But in a way you are you could be Sam's conscious mind. His <laughs> his objective perspective is his partner in the band thinking about the sequencing, thinking about continuity. And uh, before I get to maybe your opinion, Janet, I understand Sam's like, I don't want to fuck with this. It happened. And I'm some sort of magical being. Sam didn't say that. I know that this it's thing true. happened to me. It's true. though. <laughs> it is true. So I appreciate that. And I respect that. But Janet, you're going to have a perspective on it an inside but outside perspective of these songs. Um, I want to ask you about that in a moment. But did you have a hand in any of the lyrical collaborations on this particular record? No, Sam writes the lyrics. I have in the past written very few songs like with lyrics, but I leave it. I leave it to the pros now. <laughs> okay. The pros, P R O S E. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Okay. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> the poetry and prose. I'm a, I'm a dad. I make dad <laughs> jokes. I apologize. It didn't even work. It was a bad that, was joke. A good, that was a good one. Uh, not bad. Anyway, my point is, uh, what is your perspective then as an inside, but outside uh, observer of Sam's words? Do you want to talk a little bit about what you pick up on in t- terms of themes? Yeah. Well, I guess I want to comment first on on his process, which I find very incredible that like the song just presents itself in a spiritual manner to Sam. And he comes in with like, you know, I'll say like, wow, that's like the words are seem done, you know, or like it's like, yeah, I was taking a walk and this and I thought of the song, you know, like it. it's to me, it's very. I don't know. It's really inspiring to, to mm. know that like that this exists in the world, like something so pure exists in the world that a song that I find really amazing and like, you know, makes me feel like I'm not alone in the world. Like all the things that good music make you feel that that just, you know, comes to Sam, you know, sort of out of, the air or out of wherever, you know, there's not really words to describe that theme wise. I mean, to me, I just think about like, you know, alone disappearing, like, you know, the, all the, all the imagery of like mm. ghosts and nowheresville, you know, it's all like this sort of, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It's like a, no, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Here's a question. 
What do you think, uh, based on your knowing what you know about Sam, but also let's focus in on the lyrics, because I do believe that sometimes you can express things subconsciously that you would never express consciously. But what do you make of, what do you think Sam thinks of people? What do you think Sam <laughs> thinks of how we're functioning as a, as a people together on the planet? Well, Sam is a, Sam is a really like, kind of a, I think of him as like a Zen kind of person, like doesn't take up a lot of space, doesn't require a lot from the world or people around him, like exists in the world, you know, like, like a Buddhist or something. I mean, not a Buddhist, but like that, like trying to live harmoniously in the world and not he doesn't really cause anybody any trouble. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, that's a rare person that can exist without imposing their will on everyone and making people miserable. Like that is not Sam. It's um, very awkward to talk about each other right in front of each other. <laughs> I, I'm going to let it happen because it's kind of interesting, but um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's very kind of you to say. Well, that's true. I think you're I mean, also gonna you're also gonna let it happen because you're very zen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's. <laughs> I don't mind talking about my impressions of Sam. You know, like I, yeah, I we know each other really well, and like I appreciate that there are Sams in the world, and there's really only one that I know, but I'm sure there are others out there. Yeah, but I also think that Sam is like smart. You know, and like reads a ton and is very knowledgeable about history about humans and you know that can be just disappointing and (laughs) uh humans can really let you down sometimes um but i think that there's always a there's hope in quasi no i don't think quasi is is eternally dark i think there's like a keen eye to how messed up people can be but there's also like humor in that and hope for like you know, like hope because you have to have hope. You can't not have hope. And so I think that's, you know, that's how a smart person exists in the world. Yeah. I, and I, I hope I wasn't asking a leading question by asking you what Sam thought of people leading in that let's get dark and negative. Um, I'm just curious if, and I appreciate your answer, frankly, Janet. I, I'm happy to leave it at that from your perspective. Sam, let's get to your conscious mind though. I, I'm just curious. Like we, you've been described as Zen. And I can appreciate that, but yeah, in a, in a general sense, what do you make of this time we're living in and how we're functioning together? I'm just curious because I feel like some of that thought is permeating your subconscious in these lyrics, but can you speak to that a little bit, your sort of worldview? I can. I, I think it's probably wise that you ask Janet what she thinks I think <laughs> rather than asking me what I think because... I'm not really sure what I think. Obviously, the human species is grossly dysfunctional. We're wrecking the planet. We're like sowing discord and war. You know, it's it's not going well at the moment. And yet, you know, you walk outside. It's beautiful. You know, there's people out there. You say hello. You know, and I travel around a lot and you make connections with strangers all over the world and you think there's a strange dichotomy between your everyday experience and the larger observations that you might have 
And to try and reconcile that through art is a quest, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I'm just pondering songs like Doom Scrollers and what I see is like a fluid worldview. Like I can't, I know you don't want to talk too specifically, but I feel like your take on people via your songs is interesting. I don't think you're taking sides. I think you're just making observations about types of people. Tip, there's some typification, obviously, but I, I, I feel like you're trying to be somewhat even-handed, even in a song like Doom Scrollers. Does that resonate with you as a possible entry point into a song like that or songs on this record? I think, yeah. I, I think, you know, I again, it's, it's about the, the funny. I grew up in a very conservative family and in a very conservative community and, you know, was raised in the church and all that. So I know these people, they're, they're in a way, they're my people. Mm -hmm. And so while I'm extremely critical of that, you know, speaking of that song specifically, I'm, uh, you know, I, I just like at the same time, I, I know that they're, they're just normal people. They can be kind and generous like anybody else. Even when I see the disastrous, you know, effects of some of their political ideas. So taking sides, I, I definitely take sides, <laughs> you know, like when I go to the, you know, to vote or whatever, but I can't not see that people are, are human beings, even, you know, even when I see that they're going terribly wrong. Yeah. I want to ask, Janet alluded to the fact that she hopes people hear the joy and I think maybe the hope on this record, at least from what she's contributing to it. Um, Sam, can you just speak a little bit to whether or not you feel those same sentiments are expressed by you? Like when you're decrying something, I still feel passion from you. It's not giving up resignation. Like I, I feel like when you're talking critically about anything, you're coming to it from a perspective of like, there's got to be a better way, which is hopeful, inherently hopeful. Would you say that there's, from your perspective, as you ponder these lyrics and ponder singing them on tour <laughs> and bringing these songs to the people, would you say they're, they are hopeful or uh, is it too complicated to call them any one thing? Well, yeah, I think, I think what Janet was saying is true. It's, it's inherently hopeful to make a record, to do art or participate in, some sort of creative act in any way is inherently hopeful because why would you make something to put out into the world? You know, if you just didn't care or didn't have any hope at all, you know, yeah. you're hoping that it does something and does something positive, but what exactly it does, it really varies. It's hard to know. I, I, I don't have a, a strong intention for its mm -hmm. effect in the world. I, I just, I just have an urge to put it out there and 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 hope for the best. But there, there's that word again, hope. <laughs> it's an important word. I'll tell you, this uh, line of questioning is colored by an experience I had recently. I had Ira Kaplan from Yola Tango on, and I asked him how things were going, and that proceeded into 15 minutes of me. Their album is called This Stupid World, and I didn't even get to ask him about that title. <laughs> we just proceeded to like old men. He's older than me. I took it as an opportunity, like, this guy gets it. I'm going to vent. I'm going to vent a little bit about people. And friends were like, eh, maybe a little negative on the, on the world. 
And I was like, yeah, I got an issue. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little negative right now, but the guy's album's called This Stupid World. I thought if anyone was going to commiserate with me and my like, what the hell are we doing? It would be this guy, but I got some flack for it. So I just am sensitive to not being too negative myself. And I, I agree. I said this exact thing to, to Ira. I think receiving and sending these signals of art is a sign of hope. I wanted to talk to you guys because I love you and I love this record. It, it inspires me to feel good and hopeful. And think about things that Sam's talking about because they're critical and interesting. I don't think talking about reality, I'm sorry, I'm doing a little stand-up routine now. I don't mean it. But I don't think talking about reality is necessarily negative. It's just real. And everyone's piling on like, ah, you're still talking about the pandemic. You're still talking about climate change. You, you, you kill joy. I'm like, it's not, it's real. These are real things that people experience. I read read a review today, just a little blurby. I don't, I try not to read them, but the, the, the poll quote was like something about the lyrics being absurdist. And I was like, absurdist? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It seems, it doesn't seem that like Dada to me, you know, like seems pretty real. If you just sort of try and talk accurately about what's happening, it's, it's going to be absurd. It's going yeah, to be, they, but it's was, going to be an undermined. Like, I think it's, go, it's a deliberate undermining of people talking about things that are real. Sorry. I That's guess so. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, it, I'm not saying that the reality isn't absurdist. They were saying that like the observations were absurd. Like the record is absurdist. And I was like, well, the record's not absurdist because like it's kind of right on. And I think, yeah. but, but maybe you're right. Maybe what they meant was that reality is so absurdist right now but i don't think that's what they meant no what i'm getting at is i think when people try to have serious conversations about how fucked up things are for musicians for like sorry as i'm speaking to you i live in a place where two of the most significant music venues have shut down there's music festivals shutting down like musicians are saying i can't do this anymore it's not sustainable i don't make enough money it's killing me physically and i think there's a reaction to be like i'm from some people, not everyone, to either undermine or ignore it because it's too hard. It's too hard to process the reality of shit going wrong when they want their worldview to be positive. And I'm trying to ride the thing of like, I try to be, I have a family, I have children. I can't be in the fucking dumps all the time. I have to feel like we there's a point to everything. But I'm like, when things go south, I'm like, yep. Yeah, that, I'm not that surprised. That's where I'm... Sorry, guys, it's not meant to be a session for me. Janet, <laughs> I forget what I was going to ask you. Oh, yes, I remember now. You were earlier saying that you hope from your end of things that the joy and the hope and and your recovery maybe even can be sort of felt, like the fact that you are feeling uh, these feelings. Can you talk a little bit specifically, maybe moments even, where you feel like that's really exemplified, that your spirit is there? Uh, I mean, basically my style of playing is rooted in the idea of expression and of empowerment and being an example of something that's not maybe traditional or that's not, you know, a, the, the role of a woman, like as a woman is su- supposed to be in our culture. Mm. So for me, music has always been, or my playing specifically, like per, like on a personal political way, to me, I, I just want to offer something different for, you know, women first and everyone second to like show some kind of path forward for people who don't relate to like 
the mainstream. Yeah. And so I feel like the best way to do that is to really express myself in a powerful way. That's kind of how I feel. You know, I'm like, a, yeah. I just am, I'm strong like that. And I, and I want that to come across in my playing and like, you know, Sam has always been very encouraging to like, to that, like, yeah. there's oftentimes I've mentioned this in an interview. There's oftentimes in a practice where I say like, what do you like better? This or this? Like I could play this. I could play that. Like, which one do you like? And he almost always picks the rowdier choice. Mm. Like there's no, you know, like discussion about, Oh, don't play a fill over my vocals or like, mm-hmm. That, you know, no symbols when I come in with my singing, like some, you know, that is a concern for certain musicians. And I feel really lucky that I play in this band where it's like, you know, bring it like, what do you got? Let's see it. Like, let it all hang out. Like, let's, you know, be explosive and, you know, really express ourselves and not hold back. Yeah. Um, And I think that that, you know, that is like creates some kind of joyous energy um and when you share that in a live setting that connection is like what it's for you know like what it's yeah. about so to me it is extremely joyous to like share that explosiveness and power and just you know kind of getting it all out there and then having people give us energy back and we feed off that and it just becomes a a really wonderful experience yeah, I appreciate that, Janet. Uh, Sam, I, I'm picking up on the fact that in in some ways you are viewed as having something of a lead role of like having ideas bounced off of you and uh, whatnot. Do you have anything you want to add to Janet's uh, perspective on your working dynamic? Well, I, I don't know about the lead role thing. Um, I was worried I said the wrong thing as I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. And no, we, you know, of course... Yeah, I don't, I feel like this, this quasi, one of the characteristics of being a duo is everything is consensus and it's possible to be that way. It, disagreements get resolved, not because one person is the leader and, and ha- has their opinion weighted in any way. I might be considered the leader because I'm the sing, the lead singer. And traditionally that's, you know, but it's it's not really that way in this band. I don't I don't I think we're a leaderless sort of consensus based group, you know, which is impossible to achieve with a duo and difficult when you start adding more people. I, I wanna just clarify that I'm basing that characterization on the fact that even by Janet's reckoning, it's unusual for her to bring her parts first. It seems to be you've got ideas. And that's all. And she said, you know, sometimes I have Sam. Which yeah. is better. And yeah, that's all. I wasn't trying to insinuate anything. I feel like it's an open collaboration. I just want to clarify where I was coming from. Sure. I mean, I, I think in that, <laughs> you know, if you want to talk about first at bat when we're in the songwriting process, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a strategic thing. I mean, it, if Janet was the songwriter, it would be the other way around. It, it has nothing to do with me. It just has something to do with our roles in this band. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, real quick, in a sense, we'll see how this goes. Janet, you you had this a, a terrible thing happen to you, and there's this lingering uncertainty in your narrative over the last few years of what you can and can't do. You left a beloved and busy band. Did you ever? Was there a moment where you're like, "What do I do?" 
what am I going to do next? Well, that question as a musician is asked quite often. <laughs> what am I going right. to do next? Is like that is a very familiar question to me and probably to most musicians. Like there's there's no rule book, there's no you know, PowerPoint that tells you how to do this. Um, you really have to figure it out as you go along. And there are many moments where I think, what am I going to do next? And I have to like mm. figure it out. <laughs> and I, I do truly believe that like that ambiguity and uncertainty is like, is not something that everyone can handle. Like, uh, I don't have kids, you know, which I think makes it like easier to have such ambiguity and uncertainty as a life choice and a lifestyle. But I feel like a lot of my incredible musician friends from when I was younger who have like given it up. A big reason is because that's just a hard thing to live with, like to not know yeah. where you're going to make your money to, you know, you might have to go get another job and like figure out another career and you have to generate this like rebirth over and over and over you know, leaving Slater Kinney was not something I took lightly in the slightest. Like I had to really, really, really soul search for, you know, quite a bit of time and like yeah. really go through it so that I, um, I'm not a person with a lot of regrets. So I usually can like, you know, figure that out in advance, but yeah, like to, you know, that's like a huge life change. And with any yeah. life change, there's that question, what am, what am I going to do now? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. and then, you know, the accident happened very soon after that. And, you know, after the accident, I knew what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do was like get back to playing and singing and, you know, being a part of, of the world and of music. So it was, yeah. but like, what am I going to do for money is like, I mean, that's just, that's a constant yeah. worry for most, I've... for most people, but it's a constant worry for musicians probably more. And again, another insight that maybe people don't realize that some musicians, or most musicians, are kind of freelancers. And you, yeah, we, I mean, we all absolutely, and like yeah. you know, people are streaming music. That's how they're consuming music, yeah. and that's not lucrative <laughs> for for us. They're freeloading on the freelancers, is what we've landed on. I think uh, in another I, dad joke realm. I'm sorry. And I'm, I don't even, I'm not even sure people like think about it that much, you know, that they, they have yeah. their busy lives and it's convenient and they do love music. They want to hear, you know, that's just the, you know, I feel like the corporations have just kind of figured it all out. And yeah, I don't, I don't really like blame people. I do blame corporations though for taking yep. advantage of, of the create creative people. Well, our compulsion, even this thing goes out to all the big companies, this podcast, I mean, it'll go out. The companies don't give me a, a cent. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm begging people for, oh, I'm not begging, but I ask, I have a day job. We're not hurting, but I, I'm trying to do this responsibly, but yeah, it's fucked up, fucked up time. See, this is why I go dark and people get <laughs> mad at me because I'm like, yeah, this is the truth. I'm sorry. It bothers you. Uh, so I want to be conscious of the time. I am conscious of the time. Uh, Sam, this, uh, wonderful quasi record is out on Sub Pop. I know that. Uh, is, are there places people can go? Uh, beyond Sub Pop, I suppose, to learn more about your band and your upcoming plans? Well, I, I um, of course, relevant to the last question and part of the conversation, uh, local record stores are a great source of records and knowledge about records and knowledge about music. And economically, it's a better model 
to buy albums from record stores than it is to stream. It's a better model for the, for the musicians specifically, Mm -hmm. Uh, possibly not for just casual listeners who don't want a bunch of records, you know, stacks of records in their house. But if you're the type of person who likes to have stacks of records in your house, I think you should go to the local record store where this record should be available starting Friday. <laughs> yeah. No, well said. Well said. Uh, Janet, in terms or, of... You know, I'm not sure what Friday we're talking about because <laughs> this, this might see the light of day in the future, at which point this Friday would be in the past. But, yeah. you know... As it, as it stands for those listening, February 10th has passed. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we had some scheduling issues, but yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, the record, uh, is available is what we're saying, uh, now as right. people are hearing yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, we spend time and space through music and, and this is one of the beautiful things about it. Well, the other aspect of this that I find frustrating, uh, with this culture is that a record comes out and no one ever talks about it again until maybe the end of the year. We're like, oh yeah, I remember that record. Like, th- People are like, I don't want to cover that record from three weeks ago. I'm like, what? It's only three weeks old. They spent like two years making that thing. You you only got the day it comes out. That's it. Anyway, sorry, I'm ranting again. Well, uh, <laughs> it's somebody else's turn. Somebody else would I have know. the same thing. I know. I know. Happen, and everybody gets their turn. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, hopefully, not everybody does. We're lucky enough that we're getting our turn right yeah. now. No, I appreciate that, uh, Janet. If people want to follow. You guys on social media uh-huh. or things like that, uh, mm-hmm. where could you direct them? Uh, I guess our Instagram, the quasi is probably the best. Okay. The best place, uh, the place we interact with the most. Twitter seems to be really limping along right now. Yeah. You know, we're on there where TikTok is not, you know, <laughs> we're, we're past the age of TikTok. It, we are on there, but I say the Instagram is the best. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to highlight that I anyone listening, I'm aware of the hypocrisy of uh, belittling giant corporations and then throwing to a couple <laughs> of them. But I just, it is a way people connect. So I'm trying to see. I'm not all negative. I'm trying to be like, yeah, this is I mean, what we have to work with right now. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, honestly, like that. It's like the only way people, you know, it's a, one of the main ways people hear about yeah. you or interact with you is is. I mean, Facebook doesn't seem to be producing much interaction. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we're a bit like at the, you know, at the whim of societal, like, you know, the way society is interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little thing called reality. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's we're back. We came full circle in a way. I want to go out on a song from this quasi record. I have two people from the band here. This can initiate a debate. I'm going to ask one of you to pick the song. The other one has veto power. If you don't like the choice, we have a small parliamentary review. It goes to a commission and then we land on the song. I'm going to ask Sam, uh, because I, I will tell you, Sam, uh, I, I'm a big fan of yours and I feel like you'll have some insight into what we pick and ask Sam to pick a song. And then Janet, you get to veto or, or accept. Is that is that a cool? First of all, is that okay, Janet? Did yep, I go to Sam? Okay. I, I even know what he's going to pick. Interesting, Sam. Yeah. What are you going to pick? Of all the songs on Earth in history, no, or no, 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 no. Just on this uh, excellent new uh, quasi record, breaking oh, okay. the balls of history. Yeah. Yeah, riots and jokes. Riots and jokes is your choice. Is, is Janet? Does that does that surprise you? Nope. That's I knew he would pick that song. 
Why did you know he was going to pick that one? Because that's the centerpiece of the record. And we both agree on this already. We've already talked about it already on our own. Oh, okay. And we, and we know that we both are really psyched about this song and how it turned out. And it's placement on the album is right in the middle. It's the, it's definitely the heart of the record. Okay. The world is yours, ladies. Take it now. What are you waiting for? Sam, dig into your subconscious. Where did that come from? Uh, well, probably two places. One is my personal life is very female centric mm-hmm. and I like it that way. Most of my, my, my family and my colleagues, you know, with, with notable exceptions are, are female. And I, I just see that as being correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. The other thing is I recent, uh, not recently, I, I I kind of went and started digging through my old CDs and I, and I, and I pulled out this Jim O'Rourke CD that has a song called women, women of the world take over a great song. And I thought, well, I'm going to just take that idea because, you know, it's an idea that it should be taken, not just by me from Jim O'Rourke, but by lots of people. Well said. No, that's excellent. I appreciate that insight. And I hope it doesn't mess with the mystical plane that you draw inspiration from because you talked about something. I think it's good. This is Riots and Jokes from the wonderful new quasi record, Breaking the Balls of History, which, if all goes well, is available now for the whole world to process via Sub Pop Records. Uh, Janet, Sam, I hope you enjoyed this. It means a lot to have you on this show. I'm, I've been a longtime fan. So thank you very much. And thank it's you. just great to have, great to see you and talk to you. And I wish you the best luck in the future. Thank you very much. That that was a very singular kind of interview. Yeah, I appreciate it.
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That was a thrill. Love Janet Weiss, love Sam Coombs, love Quasi. Thank you, Janet and Sam, for being on this, the 756th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm about two or three months behind on, I'm sorry. It's been very busy. In any case, if you want to learn more about any of those things, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook, and it seems like a lot of bots have liked the show over the weekend, and I don't know what it means. have to figure this out. Or maybe I don't. Who cares? Ugh. Platforms. Anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, you can like the show on, face- on Facebook there. You can follow uh, Creative Control on Twitter, at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at Vish Kana. I'm also on Hive post mastodon and i think one other thing but i don't use them that much still find me there and interact with me and then maybe i'll start using them i don't know also please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh if you can to support this podcast six dollars american or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, some of it uh, derived from my audio archives that uh, precede the making of this show. Some of it uh, is reflective of some bonus time I get to spend with the guests you hear uh, currently on the show. It's a hodgepodge of different things that I think you might find interesting and is a small gesture of appreciation for you uh, shelling out some money. Uh, as I mentioned $6 American a month. It doesn't have to be that. Some people do less. Some people do a lot more. It really is un- unbelievable. You can whatever you set it up as you can change it you can make it less you can make it more and people do that all the time and a couple of people just went up over the weekend which was really nice uh and sent me nice notes to indicate that uh they were doing so to support the show so anyway i appreciate it uh it it helps so please uh if you can if you can afford it and you want to support the show financially patreon.com slash creative control thank you very much Speaking of thanks, thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim, and you should, at his website, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode featuring Quasi. Again, thanks to Quasi and Sub Pop and, and everybody who made this episode possible. Thank you for listening to it again and 
for telling your friends about it. Uh, maybe your friends who like Quasi might want to hear this episode, or uh, like you, consider subscribing to the show or following it. Uh, that all means the, the world. So thank you for spreading the word about this podcast and uh, my work, and I will talk to you very soon. I hope you're well. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.